Colleagues, uh, this is Karen Tate, and uh, thank you for tuning in today uh, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And uh, wow, are we not living in incredible times? Uh, sometimes it feels so surreal. Uh, no doubt you feel that way too, I would imagine. Uh, here we're living in a global pandemic, and um, you know, for those of you who are not in the United States, uh, we are probably the hot spot on the globe for uh, death and destruction. Uh, we have about 112,000 dead, 2 million infected, and uh, still our president um, does nothing. You know, it's, it's like uh, Nero fiddling while Rome burns. Um, you know, it, it seems that uh, he thinks if he just ignores this and pretends that, uh, that nothing's going on, um, you know, that uh, he will win re-election. Uh, well, I sure hope he doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think we can uh, survive it. But anyway, uh, you know, good news uh, as well. Um, you know, maybe it sounds crazy to some of you saying that the protests in the street are good news, uh, but I think it's an incredible sign that um, humanity is evolving, is, is evolving. Uh, you know, to uh, you know, to a higher plane. To uh, you you know, a world of more um, uh, compassion and equality. And, uh, you know, I like to think that, uh, you know, once we uh, start working seriously on this uh, racism issue, uh, systematic, uh, systematic and institutionalized racism, um, I'm sorry, my guest is making a lot of noise in the background. I'm sure he doesn't realize he is, but <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm hoping that once we uh, get past, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, we get in deep, um, you know, fixing the, the issues of systematic and institutionalized racism, that maybe we can start talking about uh, misogyny and sexism and, uh, the, you know, the role that capitalism is playing in, uh, you know, destroying the poor and the middle class. So, um, you know, I guess this is what it looks like to be on the road, uh, you, you know, uh, to humanity's recovery. At least that's the way um, I'm looking at it. So, um, you know, they say uh, a country is uh, or a government is like a big ship. Uh, you know, you have to, when you steer it, uh, you know, you have to steer slowly in increments. Things don't happen fast. Uh, well, I guess there is some... Um, uh, you know, some reality to that uh, because sometimes things happen slow, but then uh, look how, you know, these protests have sprung up uh, across the globe and how quickly things are changing. So uh, so anyway, I am really hopeful. You know, after November we'll get a new president uh, and, uh, you know, the world can, uh, you know, be a better place. Uh, that's my hope anyway. So, uh, that being said, uh, let me, uh, you know, kind of refocus to uh, uh, today's show, which, uh, you know, no doubt will um, have some threads of, uh, you know, of, of parallel topic. Uh, I have with me uh, calling in from the UK, uh, Luke Eastwood, and our topic uh, is taking a Gnostic path. Uh, Luke is an author, activist, uh, and uh, social justice activist as well, and he's calling in today to discuss, um, you know, finding your own way, taking a Gnostic path, and we'll delve into uh, how we might be in control of our own destiny. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the pandemic, uh, how it's both a trap and an opportunity for humanity, uh, how we can choose uh, to not go along with the program, as he calls it. We'll, you know, get him to explain that a bit. Uh, we'll talk about uh, choosing one's own spiritual path, how uh, creativity is a great tool uh, also to overcome fear and depression. You know, no doubt, um, you know, those are things many people are struggling with right now. Um, and, um, you know, Luke will talk to listeners about his views. Um, we're all controlled from birth, and we hardly even realize it. Um, you know, I, I want to hear a lot more about that. Uh, he is uh, he grew up in Scotland but uh, moved to England. He's led a very interesting life. 
uh, he began uh, began training as a druid uh, uh, and uh, also a, a horticulturist, and uh, he's a musician as well. Um, his activism was with uh, Greenpeace and uh, McLeibel in, in London, and uh, he set up an Extinction Rebellion group in Kerry in 2019. Uh, he wrote a small book, How to Save the Planet, and it was published last autumn. Uh, he's released a new ad- album of uh, electronica in March called uh, Fifth Element and uh, he's also written a Druid Primer uh, another book called The Journey about uh, religion and spirituality and something a little bit more local um, you know to where he uh, is uh, uh, I believe in Ireland now uh, Carrie Folktales uh, so Luke uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine thank you very much for having me I'm delighted to be here uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad you're calling in too. I always like it when we get uh, you know guests from across the pond. Uh, you know, we can try to uh, compare notes on uh, you know how we're seeing each other's countries uh, evolve or devolve. Uh, you know, however you look at it, and. Um, uh, you know, I was so glad when you reached out to me with this topic. Um, so, you know, why don't we start with um, what do you mean uh, specifically by uh, the topic, finding your own way, uh, taking a Gnostic path? I mean, I know a lot of people know about Gnosticism from, you know, uh, from Pagels. Uh, is that what you're talking about, or do you mean something, something, uh, you know, reconst- you know, Gnosticism reconstructed? Uh, you know, fill us in a bit. Um, well, you're right. It does depend where you're coming from, what you think Gnosticism means. Uh, you know, for me, I think it's um, – regardless of what religion you come from or what background, it's really about finding a sense of uh, your own past, your own beliefs. And um, because it's just guaranteed that you're going to be influenced by your parents, by school, by whatever. Most, most people probably grow up with some kind of religious education. Um, or even the opposite, where you know their parents might be staunch atheists, and you're educated to become an atheist, for instance, or a Catholic, or or Muslim, or whatever it may happen to be. And Gnosticism really is about finding your own connection to whatever you believe deity is, or spirit, or whatever you wish to call it, you know, call it God or the goddess or or the universe even, some people might choose to define it as. Okay, all right. Uh, um, so we're talking talking Gnosticism in a, as a, in a very big umbrella uh, kind of way as opposed to like uh, the Gnosticism of old, so to speak, of Jesus. Yeah, I would, I mean, I was very interested in the Gnosticism of Jesus. I managed to get hold of all the apocryphal gospels and the what they call the pseudographer, which is what they describe as bogus. But, um, well, it's hard to know. It depends who you're talking to, whether it's fake or not, you know. Um, but, yeah, I was really interested in that, and then I moved on from that into a wider sense of... Because, I mean, I started from a Christian background from a Roman Catholic background and then I about the age of 15 I started rebelling against it uh, it's my uncle introduced me to Buddhism and um, I went to stay uh, stay with them my uncle and aunt while my you know my dad was really sick with uh, peritonitis so you know uh, I went away for a week or two stay with them and uh, you know he he actually lent me um, the Dharmapada teachings of, of the first Buddha, uh, Siddhartha, and that really blew my mind. And so when I came back, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that's very different from what I know so far." And uh, you know they weren't too happy about this. So it made me give the book back and 
little Buddha figure. And uh, um, moving on from that, I thought, well, what about, you know, where does all this stuff come from? And uh, going back in history, you know, you dis- I discovered there's more than four Gospels. And I just kept on going and going, and my kind of, I suppose, my worldview expanded beyond Christianity into uh, lots of religions, paganism, and, well, I have, you know, became really interested in all of the the major world religions and started looking at all of them. So, um, and, 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 you know, and that makes sense to me. I mean, um, I, I mean, I grew up in a very small Catholic bubble in the southern part of the United States, and um, it's like you don't know what you don't know, you know, when you grow up in these bubbles. And, um, uh, and, and it's really maybe hard to even find your own way, uh, to find your authentic self, to find what you really believe if um, you have such a narrow view of the world, of religion. Um, is, is that what you're referring to when you say we're all controlled from birth but we don't realize it? You know, that, that unless we make that effort to expand outside the bubble we grew up in, you know, what we hear in the pulpit uh, from the church on the corner or what we hear at the kitchen table, um, you know, uh, is, is that the control you're talking about? Mm, yeah, that's exactly what I mean, and um, that applies to uh, religion and spirituality. But you could say it also applies to other areas of of life as well. You know, you, you know, such things like values about you know being told, oh, you're going to have to, you've got to go and get a great education, go off and get a really good job, and live this kind of life. And you know, you might not be aware that there's so many alternatives about how you could choose to live and you know until either maybe by pure luck or you see something different um you you may not challenge any of this at all i mean quite often i think that what often creates uh the beginnings of a sort of a different approach or a gnostic way of thinking about things is is often a crisis you know, um, yeah, if you're lucky, yeah, I, 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 go ahead. Yeah, I think if you're lucky, something might happen earlier on in your life. So, you know, maybe you don't end up having a, a, a moment of realization when you're 40 or 50 or 60, and then you go, oh my God, you know, it's a bit late in the day. Then, I mean, better late than never if you expand your way of thinking and you evolve but you know it's much better if this happens to you when you're younger I think yeah, I, I mean, I can really relate to that, Luke, because, um, you know, we, we we grow up and we're told that this is what you're supposed to do in life. You know, if you're a woman, uh, you're supposed to get married, have babies. Uh, I mean, that's expanded a bit today uh, from when, you know, I was, uh, you know, in my late teens and 20s. Um, fortunately, um, I took a childless by choice kind of, uh, you know, path, but so many women end up, um, you know, uh, being a mother and maybe it really wasn't what they wanted. You know, maybe they really didn't want Mm. to get married. Uh, Maybe they wanted to go to college. Maybe they wanted to travel. Um, But I, I think women are stuck in a box uh, maybe more so than men. Uh, things are changing, but uh, you know, with mm. fundamentalist religion and stuff, I think um, you know women are more stuck than men. But men get stuck too. You know, uh, I, I think you know they, you, you know, you have to be the macho man, otherwise they say you're effeminate. You know, you have to play sports. Uh, you know, or something's wrong with you, uh, you know. Um, But I I guess I kind of, you know, but I think we also change, too, um, as life goes on. What we maybe uh, even authentically wanted out of life when we're 20 might not be what we want when we're 50. Mm, Totally. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I agree Um, with you. I would say... 
Well, I was just um, going to say, what do you, gonna so, say uh, do you do you? Okay, you go, <laughs> then I'll go. Okay, so I, I was going to say I agree with you totally about what you said about women. I think it also happens to men as well. Men do get trapped, but if you look at the way institutions and religion is run, it seems to be favoring more, obviously it favors the men more, and the women are sort of institutionally pushed into uh, very defined and restrictive roles. But uh, in truth, both sexes are are trapped in this kind of cage. But it's it's worse for women. Yeah, because I mean, I would imagine some men might not want to be fathers, you know, um, or you know, we get this. Uh, we're also indoctrinated that you should, if you can afford it, you should go into debt to go to college. I mean, you know, here in the United States, you can end up in, you know, $100,000 debt to go to college, which is insane. Uh, and maybe mm. you don't really want that, that life uh, in, this, in a suit uh, for the rest of your life. You know, maybe you're the type that would rather be a vagabond or, uh, you know, uh, you know not, not work in an office uh, your entire life. It feels like there ought to be um, some sort of, I don't know, uh, teaching in school uh, to maybe expand our minds that there are uh, that there are other options out there rather than just uh, you know sort of the status quo. Uh, uh, you know one. You know what is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, a one-size-fits-all kind of uh, future or life or choices? Mm, I totally agree, you know. And, you know, you get these kind of stereotypes of things, you know. Um, you get some uh, people who, you know, may be really academic, and then you've got other people who have totally different skill sets. And... They tend to be devalued, I think, you know, uh, uh, the arts and uh, creativity or even a lot of practical physical things are really kind of devalued. And like you mentioned about the office job and all that, uh, yeah, a lot of people aspire to, you know, become an accountant, not maybe because that's what they really want, but because they've been pushed in that direction, you know. Yeah, yeah, we we uh, we don't get a lot of uh, help learning to find uh, our authentic self, and um, you know, and and I think maybe the way we grow up, I mean, like our parents did, and maybe their grandparents before them, um, you know, the you know we're just gonna oh follow in the family business, or uh, I, I I don't know, you know, it, it just feels like no one says to you. Uh, there are lots of options out there. <laughs> uh, instead, mm. uh, I think more of us get the the message that the world is very small and our options are limited. Um, I, I wonder, though, Luke. I gather from uh, from your viewpoint, um, and maybe your druid background helped you. Um, how can we choose to be more in control? How can we choose to realize? that, um, you know, we've been controlled from birth and uh, we have other options? Well, I think one of the great things now is there is so much more information out there. Like, you know, like I said about getting that, you know, the term patter, the teeth. The, uh, if my uncle hadn't given me that, I probably wouldn't have discovered it for years. There was no internet then, you know. And, uh, you know, if you live, like, in a big city right down the road from a giant library, you know, you can find stuff. But, I mean, I, li- I lived in a tiny place with, like, a teeny little library. Um, so I probably would never have discovered that book for years and years. Um, that's just one example. So I think, you know, um, trying to reach out. Like you say, you said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. It's just, if you just try to put your, like, feelers out, like a, you know, like a snail with his antennae, slowly trying to see what's going on. And uh, as time goes by, you 
you discover more and more of what feels right for you. I think a lot of it is gut instinct, really, because, you know, when you feel like you're stumbling along in the dark and you don't know what you're looking for, but when you do discover it, I feel that your inner voice will will tell you, well, this, this is what I've been looking for. Um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking too um, that, and I don't, I don't know if, if there's much talk over where you're living because I think you're in Ireland right now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've been here for the last twenty over... years. Okay, I, I don't know if there's much talk there, um, but you know, we're starting to get glimmers here of about something called universal basic income. And I can't help but think if we did have a universal basic basic income, that might give us a little bit more freedom to try different options rather than maybe get trapped on a path that really doesn't work for us. Um, I, I don't know. you have any thoughts about that? Uh, well, yeah, that is an interesting idea and that that could possibly work i think one of the benefits here in ireland is the cost of education is relatively cheap like for instance um if you if you don't have any real income the government will pay for you to in the school the fees say to go to university are three thousand euros a year which is roughly around three thousand dollars so you know, so you know that that's reasonably affordable, even if you had to pay that yourself. Um, you know, and you figured, right, you could be a mature student, and you didn't get the chance to go before, and you, you know, you you, you apply, you get in. It's it's affordable. It's not like it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars, and you've got to bankrupt yourself to learn a new skill. Or so, um, I think that's very viable here that kind of thing that could work very well but you know if you're on universal basic income in say in in the states i assume you're expected to pay for that all yourself your education am i right in thinking that well yeah i mean there's no free education here i mean everything's been turned into a commodity uh, you know, and 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 uh, and the costs are outrageous. So, uh, and so especially mm. if if you make if you make the wrong choice early on, and you maybe get married and have a kid, uh, you're trapped. You know, um, you don't have much mm. option to switch gears, and uh, and take another path here. You know, you're really sort of got your feet in concrete boots. And you know you got to just keep uh, plugging along, um, you know. Uh, and and I get so annoyed here in the states when um, our politicians tell us, uh, you know, it, it's you know it's not as you know the grass isn't greener, you know, over in Europe, you know, mm. because uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders over here has been talking about, you know, free education and, uh, you know, free health care and like a lot of the stuff you guys have there in Europe. And, you know, they've been trying to convince Americans that it's, you know, it's it's shoddy and, uh, you know, why would you want that? You know, you're just a lazy taker uh, if you, uh, you know, want the same benefits that, uh, you know, the rest of the Western world has. Um, you know, uh, but, but, you know, you, you talk about, um, you know, choosing not to go along with the program. And I think in a way that's what I'm saying too. You know, our politicians Mm. would have us just be, you know, cogs in a wheel, you know, good little Uber consumers, keeping our nose to the grindstone, even if we're miserable, even if we're not fulfilling the life we would rather um, lead. Um, You know, if we make the wrong choices early in life, we're kind of stuck. Uh, you know, maybe doing that for decades. Um, you know, talk mm. a little bit about um, choosing not to go with the program or not needing a guru, yeah. as uh, as you say. Yeah, well, I'll start 
myself, I suppose I know best about my own life. Um, you said about, you know, the office job and all this. And, you know, I, um, I, did, uh, I did a degree and it was the wrong degree. And uh, luckily enough, it didn't cost an absolute fortune. I had a, a student loan, but it didn't take me very long to pay it off because it was minuscule. And unlike, you know, I don't know what people have to pay in interest in America, but the student loans here, it was very cheap. It was like 1% or something like that, the interest. So it was minuscule. So um, that was possible to pay that off and then, um, you know, go on and think about your career without this enormous pile of debt that you've mentioned. Um, so, you know, I realized I'd picked the wrong thing. Then I, I thought, well, what, what can I do? So I kind of diverted into a slightly different area, which was graphic design and a bit of journalism. But, you know, I still ended up working in London, you know, going across the, you know, the, the transport system, getting up really early, getting home late, working really hard. And, you know, I did get married and have a child. And, you know, I, I you know, I loved my family, but I did feel trapped, not by them, but by the system that, you know, here I am, I'm stuck. I'd always had these dreams of, like, you know, having a, a big field somewhere and putting up a wind generator and growing all my own food. And there I was stuck in London in a tiny apartment, you know, going on the, the you know, what they call the tube, like the equivalent of the, the subway, off to work. And, and you just feel like you're living in a tin can and your life is all mapped out for you. Um, so I personally decided, right, how can, how can we get out of this, not just me, uh, us as a family you know this kind of box and uh, I mean part of that for me it was the kind of inner work of your spiritual life really is the beginning point and trying to figure out what do you want what do you believe in and I, I would say in a way that what you believe in comes first what you think is important in your life and in life generally your values and from then you kind of figure out what do I want to do and then you've got to try and figure out okay so how how do I get there you know you feel like you're stuck in this awful box and you want to be in this different place and the way the system is designed it's really difficult to get out of your box as, as you pointed out and you really got to figure out some kind of strategy to navigate your way out of all all of the paths that are pre-designed for you and forge your own path. And, and that, that isn't an easy thing to do, but it can be done. Well, and, and I guess I want to say um, uh, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about maybe the spiritual um, coming first, that maybe the spiritual would help you uh, figure out where you want to be, but I, I can see that could, you know, potentially, um, you know, be be guideposts. I mean, especially if you uh, you have a druid background, you know, if you revere nature, uh, you don't want to live in a concrete jungle or, like you said, a you know a, 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 a you know a tin can. Uh, you know, and especially, uh, you know, in, with the subway system, the, uh, you know, you're underground, you know, you could be underground most of the time, uh, you know, going from connection to connection and, uh, you know, uh, you're underground more than you see the light of day almost, you know, I, I um, and, and, you know, I, I, you're making me think, too, about this book I read by, uh, uh, I forget whether she was in the U.K. or, uh, well, in, in either England or, or Ireland. I think she went back and forth. Uh, Sharon Blackie wrote this book, If Women Rose Rooted, and she's basically talking about escaping the wasteland. And uh, she meant, you know, what we're talking about here, uh, you know, choosing a different path, finding a way to make that break, you know, out of the, 
you know, out of the status quo, uh, you know, not to go along with the program and find a life that's more meaningful to you. You know, when you get up every morning, it's not just the same, um, you know, kind of miserable routine. You know, I, I kind of call mm. it like being a hamster on a wheel, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, I, what, but what I want to ask you, Luke, is, you know, uh, myself, you know, having grown up in the South, and I, and I hate to disparage the South. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot good there. I mean, I ended up leaving when I was 30, and I moved to California, and it was the best thing I ever did. I I I uh, I, I shudder at the thought of what my life would have been if I had stayed there and not moved. But I realized from living there, there are a lot of people who just aren't very intellectually curious. You know, they are very content with someone telling them what to do, whether it be their priest or their boss or their father, and they just kind of go through life like sheep. You know, I mean, I call them sheeple. Um, I, I mean, have you encountered that? And do you, I, I mean, are they a lost cause? Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know your thoughts. Well, possibly, yeah. I'm, some people are going to just go from A to B in their life and they won't look out the window. They'll just be head, you know, eyes forward and uh, and that will be their entire life. And, you know, uh, I, th- I do believe that people have different lifetimes. They believe in the concept and the reincarnation, and maybe some people will have a, some reason have a, a very quiet and very straightforward life where they're not challenged. But, you know, some of these people of the sheeple, that's a great term actually, um, they will wake up. They're, something will happen, and they will suddenly be switched on. So I see people are a lost cause. Well, not necessarily, you know. There's all kinds of things that can happen in your life that will trigger suddenly thinking, hey, oh, I've been following the program and this is not working. Something's not right. And you start to reevaluate, you know. Um, but you mentioned about gurus. I mean, you know, a guru can maybe awaken you in some ways they teach you stuff but at the end of the day i think it's really signposts you know you know you can end up following a new program which is the guru's program so instead of slavishly you know following the you know the program you were born with and and educated into you just switch to a different one so you carry on not really thinking for yourself but following someone else's ideas to the letter and that's what I meant about, you know, uh, not not having a guru, that you don't need one. Um, because um, it's great to have teachers, it's great to have people who can advise you, who can help help you to grow, but I don't think it's wise to ever put anyone on such a pedestal that you you just accept everything they say without without evaluating what they're talking about. I I agree. I agree totally because you're just trading one box for another box. You're trading one person trying to control you uh, for maybe another person trying to control your thoughts and who you are and your choices. But wouldn't you say that um, for uh, some people, maybe especially when you're younger, I I don't know, uh, maybe it's equally as hard when you get old, older for some people, to go alone, to have the personal inner fortitude uh, to find your own path, to sort of um, throw off um, conformity, if you will. I mean, it's hard not to conform. Um, You know, do you you think it takes a different type of person or how can you um, maybe take baby steps toward nonconformity till you really find yourself? Mm. Well, you know, I think it's really interesting, but I think you're right. I think the further back in time you go, the harder it is. I think I look at young people, I look at my own daughter and her friends and other people that I know who are younger than me. And I'm quite shocked at how 
uh, enlightened some of them are already that they've just or they've just broken out the box already and they they're not they're not conforming you know and if they are conforming in certain areas of their life it'll be because they've chosen that that suits them not because they're just blindly following what you're supposed to do so i would say for people of my age i'm 50 uh, you know it can be hard for my parents generation it was you know much harder again and you know for younger people they they you know they don't i think the difficulty is much less for them that they're able to break out of it much quicker yeah, I, I I think so too. I mean, I'm seeing, um, you know, with the protesters in the street here, um, so many of them are millennials. Um, I also uh, seem to think, um, you know, I, I hope this this uh, isn't, you know, just confirmation bias, uh, but it seems to me millennials don't have a lot of the isms that my generation grew up with. You know, they're not homophobic, they're not racist, they're not sexist, at least not so much. I'm sure there's some that are mm-hmm. in their bubbles, you know. I mean, you know, we have the, uh, you know, the white supremacists and the KKK and the toxic uh, masculine types, you know, they exist too. But it feels like, at least here in the United States, that there are a lot of people who, uh, or breaking the mold, so to speak, and are trying to um, do something different than their parents. Um, why don't you comment on that, and then we're going to take a break, Luke. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's a different situation in Europe, and uh, also depending on, you know, from one country to another. I mean, in Ireland, for instance, has been a really traditional country and very conservative and there's been you know Ireland's been a, a massive victim of racism but at the same time there's also been a huge amount of racism in Ireland too and a, a, like a xenophobia a fear of foreigners and you know no one ever came to Ireland for, 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 for ages for decades except on holiday and then suddenly around well, about 30 years ago, it began to change a bit, and then it really began to change 20 years ago. So, you know, that was a massive shock to a lot of people. So, you know, um, the, like you say, the young people, like my my daughter, for instance, her attitude would be completely different to a lot of people that grew up in Ireland 20 or 30 years before. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really positive thing to see that you know, change can happen, and not just a small change, but fundamental, different, more open way of looking at the world. Okay, um, and I want to I, I want to make some comparisons uh, with that. You know, how we're looking at these. Um, you know, these life choices as Gnosticism and maybe get into some of the um, the political stuff that's going on, you know, the COVID, the, uh, the marches in the street. Um, I want to get into that a bit um, when we get back, uh, but I need to take a break now because uh, uh, we have a word uh, – from Joe Carson, and uh, I want to play for listeners uh, something uh, from a review of Joe Carson's book uh, called Celebrate Wildness. We'll be right back, Luke. This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book, Celebrate Wildness, Magic, Mirth, and Love on the Feraferia Path. I love this book how special this work is and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s and through the years only found snippets of information on Feriferia, one of the first modern pagan paths, this book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the goddess and gods reborn for the next age of the divine maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background philosophy and ritual practices of the joyous wilderness mysteries of the fairy faith, illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Feriferia's founder, Fred Adams. 
I was very pleased that the high-quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Feriferia. Celebrate Wildness is a dense, art book quality, hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Feriferia website at feriferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. So just to clarify, Joe Carson's lovely book, Celebrate Wildness, is available only at feriferia.org. And I'll spell that for you. It's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. So um, if you are just joining us uh, at... um, uh, at the middle point in the show, uh, I am speaking to Luke Eastwood, and uh, he's uh, calling us uh, from Ireland, and uh, we're talking about taking a Gnostic path, and it's not really the Ellen Pagel's kind of Gnosticism. It's, uh, uh, it, it's got uh, its roots in, in uh, finding your own spirituality, but also uh, finding your authentic self, uh, trying to um, uh, find... Um, you know, what this life is for you, you know, instead of being trapped uh, in the status quo, uh, going along with the program, you know, being uh, stuck in a box uh, that society or culture or religion maybe puts you in, um, and, um, and you know, and how we break out of that. Uh, and we're about to uh, sort of uh, turn this um you know, these ideas of Gnosticism um, and uh, look at it uh, through the lens of what's happening out there in the world. So, Luke, um, you know, you talked about the COVID-19 crisis is uh, both a trap uh, and an opportunity for humanity. Maybe speak to that a little bit and, you know, how it fits into your, you know, your, your Gnostic, you know, your contemporary Gnostic ideology. Okay. Well, you know, the way I see it, you have, you have competing narratives, you know, uh, you've, just to simplify, you've got like, you know, left and right politics, you've got what's portrayed in the media, and then you've even got disagreements between scientists about what is the right thing to do. And I mean, this is unprecedented, this hasn't happened since the Spanish flu, which was a hundred years ago. So we're really in a place where uh, we can't make it that much in the way of comparisons. Um, so we have to find our way through this mess. And uh, there, you know, these narratives competing with each other. You know, even say you, you've got to do this and do that, and someone else is saying, "Oh, you know, no, you don't want to do that. You've got to do this instead." And you know, for obviously, at the end of the day the first thing you've got to think about is safety and health. That's the number one thing with this. But trying to figure out what, who is telling the truth, who is giving the right answers, who is giving the right advice. And, you know, depending on where you look, you're going to get completely different answers about that. So I think you have to try to use your, your own intelligence as much as you can. You've got to use your own sense of judgment, your, your gut instinct, and also try and look at different points of view, and not just one point of view. And then when you've done this, you've looked at the different points of view, you've tried to consult your inner voice, you know, maybe look at it from a spiritual perspective. Some people have spiritual guidance other people don't Um, you think about it from a a rational and a spiritual and emotional point of view and then try hopefully you might have some kind of an answer that makes sense to you Uh, yeah I I, I get that you know because uh, I mean I think to a certain extent we're all uh, we all fall prey to confirmation bias where we kind of look for things that 
uh, sort of support our ideology or our viewpoint. Um, but, you know, it, it has been a struggle here to know uh, what to do. Um, I mean, I know, for instance, for myself, you know, I'm a liberal living in a conservative county. I'm a Democrat living in a Republican county. So, uh, you know, I I am very frustrated when I go out and nobody's wearing a mask, and um, and and here it's almost along political lines. You know, if you're a supporter of the president, then you don't wear a mask, uh, and you know, I I don't know what their thinking is on that. I mean, some of them have said, oh, it's about freedom. You're not going to. Uh, you know, you're not going to force me to wear a mask, but uh, you know, you just wonder if the critical thinking uh, has gone out the window. Is it all about, um, you know, supporting, you know, what the president stands for, and they will even put themselves at risk and other people at risk uh, by not doing uh, basic common sense things like. Um, you know, wearing a mask out in public and, and keeping distance. It seems irresponsible, uh, but I'm sure to them mm. they have their, you know, I, I, I sound like, a, like you know, just a, a crazy liberal, you know. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Do you think the, you know, this epidemic is going to take us to a better place on the other end. I mean, I, I can't imagine that there would have been these protests in the street if we didn't have so many people without jobs uh, and and mm. sheltered in. You know, they simply wouldn't have had the time uh, to do it. So maybe, you know, maybe these protests against racism and br- police brutality is one of the first signs of good that will come out of the pandemic. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fantastic that so many people are actually standing up and saying, no, this is wrong. I mean, I think that some of the violence that's happened is really unfortunate and unhelpful, but uh, the process needed to happen because, you know, I mean, I the day after he was killed, you know, I mean, I watched him, the footage of him being murdered on 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 uh, YouTube the day after and, and it was absolutely shocking appalling I couldn't you know it's very disturbing to see that footage and uh, you know I mean I don't know who filmed that but whoever they were you know thank God they did and they put it up online so the world actually got to see this well it's, an evil crime, you know, and uh, people do need to to stand up against these things. If, if people just stand there and say nothing, then it just enables such things to carry on happening. So um, I think that was very necessary, and I think there, there one of the problems um, in the world is the way democracy functions. People don't really get much of a voice. Whether you vote left or right, you know, you get your vote every four or five years, and then you don't really get any say in what happens in the interim period, you know. Uh, There are a few exceptions. Switzerland is a country that has a lot of referenda where people are able to... um, to vote on various issues and the whole country is gets to vote on lots of different things um but that's really unusual yeah i I mean well we feel like that here too um I, i mean even uh when we vote uh, we don't always get what we thought we voted for, or uh, you know, money. Money buys access, and money buys uh, the laws that are written. I mean, uh, it, it's no secret here. Lobbyists actually write the laws and then pass them mm. along to the politicians. Uh, I mean, it's 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 pretty messed up. Uh, you know, yeah, and that's another thing that. 
Yeah, yeah, that that needs to be fixed here. I mean, uh, even the Democratic Party, uh, I mean, if you were a Bernie Sanders supporter, you know this. Um, if Probably if you were a Hillary supporter, you don't believe it. Um, but, uh, you know, the DNC was basically being controlled by Hillary Clinton. And when Bernie and Hillary, uh, you know, went head to head in 2016, um, you know, they're – you know there there was uh, shenanigans uh, going on in the primaries in the different states, and um, when Bernie Sanders supporters actually filed suit against the Democratic uh, National Committee party, uh, the DNC lawyers actually said to the judge that we're like a private club; we have no obligation to uh, support who the voters support. Uh, they could literally make a decision in a smoky back room and put that person up as the Democratic nominee. And, you know, so it's almost as if the primaries when we vote are a farce. You know, um, mm. that was uh, that was pretty demoralizing for me to realize, you know, back in, in yeah. 2016. And I, I, I think that's when I realized that uh, even it was even worse than I thought, you know, um, yeah. It's like the political yeah. parties are just different, different degrees of evil, <laughs> or different yeah, degrees I, of unfortunately, um, Yeah, I would say that virtually every country has become corrupted by lobbying. I think I think, you know, there's only one country I can think of, uh, Bhutan, which decided that they would become completely organic. They moved to. 100% organic farming. They actually have a pretty good government. But nobody cares about Bhutan, and they didn't bother to go and lobby there because there's nothing worth taking. But any country that's got anything that's worth, you know, commercializing has been lobbied to death, and it's the lobbyists that are controlling all the parties. So you get, like, a different flavor of corruption. Um, and I think if we're going to have a better world, that lobbying will have to be banned outright, completely, everywhere. And um, that's one of the things I said about opportunities. We're like, it's like we've given an opportunity to rewrite, to clean the slate and decide, right, the whole world's in chaos, so what would we like to change? What would we like to have going forward? Maybe a completely different political system where these lobbyists don't get the chance to to corrupt everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, we definitely do have to change the system because greed uh, is controlling all the levers of society. Uh, I mean, our tax dollars go to billionaires while our infrastructure crumbles. Uh, you know, the, the middle class is being decimated while billionaires... Uh, you know, makes uh, three to five hundred times more than their workers. I mean, the the, the inequities are becoming obscene, and um, mm. I don't know. I was I, I I was heartened to see the the thousands and millions of people out in the street because I can imagine if they if they gathered over this police brutality and racism, you know, then the next things are going to be government corruption, you know, cap, you know, mm. uh, un unfettered, unregulated capitalism, you know, uh, you know, here in the United States, Americans are so afraid of the word socialism. Uh, they don't even understand what democratic socialism is. Uh, I, I interviewed uh, an economist on the show who said, that in our, um, you know, in our educational system, a teacher could not even talk about the benefits of socialism or democratic socialism if they expected to keep their job or get tenure. So people, mm. you know, so you know, academia is is distorted, and people fear what they don't understand, what they don't know, you know, and um, mm. e even if it's for their own good. <laughs> um, so anyway, crazy. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, it, it is. But I know you, you, um, you think creativity is a really important tool um, to overcome fear and depression. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, 
you know, the spirituality is a very powerful tool, like you're saying about all that. Um, you know, the sense of morality is so important. But on top of that, um, harnessing um, your own part, your creativity, really can help with finding your your way in life. And, and like you said, it also can be very helpful if you are in a state of fear or in a state of uh, depression or anxiety too. Um, one of the things that the Druid path is is bardism, which is all about creativity. And I, I do believe that all people have creative potential. But what happens is so many, like we talked about earlier, you end up becoming, you know, the bean counter or, you know, you're sat in some gloomy office, uh, you know, organizing paper clips to be shipped to the other side of the world. And you, you kind of maybe have dreamed of being a painter when you were a little kid or or maybe you never even got the chance to think about what you might have done. You just went straight down that road because life pushed you that way. And I think if you get an opportunity to express yourself, that can be so helpful with expressing your inner life, in a turmoil even. Uh, if that's expressed creatively, that you, it can help you to digest that and transform it into something better okay well i i i totally agree and i mean uh it, and, and i think there is a concerted effort to thwart that you know because here in the united states the first thing that gets cut from schools when there's budget cuts is the arts you know, and uh, I, I think that's by design. I really do because they, you mm. know, they, they want people to just be the bean counter. You know, they don't want people to explore their creativity uh, and start thinking outside that box because it could be dangerous. Yeah, I think so. And I think most people suffer from depression at some point in their life. I mean, myself, I've had two very serious periods of depression uh, the first time was when my marriage collapsed, and uh, that was horrific. And, uh, you know, I think um, it was only really uh, the thought of my daughter not having a father in her life that stopped me from, you know, driving into a truck coming the other way, you know, when I way to work. I was thought about this, hey, if I just drive into this truck here, it's all over. I won't have to worry about everything anymore and I feel, you know I won't feel anything I didn't do that obviously because I'm here but you know um, part of me getting better was creativity uh, and also I did get a lot of help with things like going to yoga I went to acupuncture which I found amazingly beneficial because I was so stressed and I had the, the acupuncture and I just broke down crying and I, you know, like I was saying about conditioning, I actually apologized to the lady that was doing the acupuncture for crying. I felt embarrassed and I felt, you know, sort of ashamed of myself for having a, a big cry in front of this woman who I didn't know. And she, she was so compassionate and just said, look, it's okay, you've had like the shittiest time. Don't allow yourself this. Don't don't stop it and that was really great and then you know my creativity started coming back again the things I'd done when I was younger came back to me and uh, you know I, I as I explored that more I began to feel stronger in myself and you know if you, it doesn't have to be music or art it could be poetry it could be even doing the garden or uh, you know something completely different but if you can find a way to express uh, both your joys and your fears through creativity I, I think it really helps you to deal with what you might have internalized yeah, I, th I think that that uh, is so important, Luke. Uh, thank you for being so candid uh, and sharing that because uh, I think so many people 
um, just go through life uh, abused and exploited and uh, unhappy, and it's the system. You know, uh, it's the system. And I, I don't think we were put on this earth uh, to live the kind of life our systems um, demand of us. And uh, I think the more of us that start to get that idea uh, that it's unhealthy to stick to the program, unless, you know, you're one of these unique people that likes, <laughs> you know, likes uh, likes the system, likes the status quo. You know, I would imagine people who are maybe benefiting from it uh, thrive on it. I'm sure there are those types. Uh, but for those of us that, um, you know, um, the system sickens us emotionally, uh, physically, psychologically, um, you know, we really have to, I think, find the courage to find outlets um, as you did, you know, with, with your creativity and alternative medicine as well. Um, you know, I mean, here we have, uh, you know, we have religion that tells people yoga uh, is evil, you know, that uh, when, you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're doing yoga or meditate, the devil can enter you, you know. I mean, it's, it's just insane the lengths they will yeah. go to to control us, you know, and, and keep us a sheeple, you know. Um, well, Luke, I've enjoyed talking to you, and you know we're we're coming to the end of the hour. I want to give you the uh, opportunity for a last word here. Uh, is is there anything maybe you would like to share with listeners I haven't asked, or um, uh, you know mention your books or whatever? I I leave it to you for the last word. No, thank you very much for having me. First of all, but. I would say the most important thing in life is not only to have an open mind, because that's very important what I've been talking about, but um, just to, to really stick to, to what you believe in, whatever you believe is right, um, what is the right way to live, what you think your core values are, that that is the most important thing that you live your life by that because that's one of the biggest problems of the world is people for whatever reasons don't don't stick to their guns stick to their their values of what they really think they should do i mean as we discussed there's so many reasons why that doesn't happen but i think if we're going to get to a better world which i'd say if you asked 99 percent of people they would like to see a better world. They'd like to find some way forward to make it a better world. But if you don't really, you know, that's why things have stayed the same, why the status quo is still here, is because people are somehow convinced not to follow through on what they really know to be right. So I would encourage people to just stick to, to that. Even if it's going to cost you, even if it's going to hurt, possibly, that it's more important that you do that than just go to sleep and have a nice, quiet life. Because, you know, there's future generations to think of. And I think we all want a better world, for not for ourselves only, but for, for future generations. And if we, we do go to sleep and just carry on, then nothing will change. And... I'd say that's the number one thing. Just stick to your to what you really believe in. Yeah, good, good point, Luke. Um, I, I mean, I know I think about people I've heard from that, um, you know, talk about the things they've had to do to keep their jobs. Um, you know, and it's it. Uh, I, I mean, it's it, it it's kind of kind of soul sucking in a way, you know, um, what some employers require uh, of their employees, you know. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, that, that just came to mind when you said that. Uh, or would, you know, uh, would people think religions require of them or sometimes even what our own family, um, you know, requires of us that uh, really just isn't in sync with our values. So, 
Well, Luke, thank you so much for calling in. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, uh, I, I'm so glad to know you and uh, to know you're out there in the world putting your sort of energy uh, out there because we, we definitely do need it. So, listen, you and your family thank stay safe. Thank you so safe much for having and, me. Uh, yeah, and keep in touch, and uh, if anything else comes up that you think would make an interesting show, you get back in touch with me, okay? I will do. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, Bye-bye. I have too. Thank you, Luke. All right, uh, friends. Well, that about does it for us for today. Um, I want to thank you for tuning in. And um, just want to uh, mention uh, Luke's website. Uh, it is LukeEastwood.com. Or his uh, a musical website is Children of Dub, uh, as in Dublin, I believe, ChildrenofDub.com. Uh, if you want to explore uh, Luke a bit more and um, uh, how Luke has expressed his creativity and uh, well and, and that uh, that does it for me um, I will be uh, back with you uh, again next week uh, let me just look real quick and um, if you haven't hit the follow button yet on the show page uh, you won't get a notice in your email uh, inbox uh, but I will be back with you next Wednesday um, and at 11 o'clock, and I will be doing a special show of my own next Thursday. So you'll hear from me twice next week. All right. Uh, stay safe out there, and um, may Isis embrace you in her golden wings. Bye for now. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.